and this kid asked me, he goes, hey, I, I want to do exceptional things. How do you demand that from the world? And I said, dude, start with yourself, man. Like you can't demand exceptional if you're not giving it. Yeah. Wherever you're at, be that standard and let it bleed out around you, you know? My name is Andrew Bice. I spent the last eight years riding a swell as a special warfare combatant crewman. I've had moments where I felt like I've been riding on tops of waves and others where I feel pinned to the ocean floor under the whitewash. I've held many titles in my life. Son, husband, father, operator. Join me as I venture into a whole new role. This time, as a civvy. Welcome to Civvies, a podcast by MetroStar. All right, everyone, uh, welcome to Civvies, John. I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Um, I specifically chose you to be on the show here just because you've got such a compelling story. Um, you're a good dude, more importantly, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I think the human factor, people can connect with the story. So it may go in one ear and out the other for me, but for somebody else, it could totally resonate and and, uh, you know, hit home with them. So thank you for taking the time to be here. Yeah, man. I'm excited to be here. And, uh, so no pressure come off as a good dude and as someone relatable, <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I know. Look out. huh? <laughs> My wife doesn't think I'm either of those things. So. <laughs> Mine doesn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking, honey. Love you. Yep. We love you. Nanny. <laughs> cool, man. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and start with, uh, with kind of the past and, and your journey and what led to to kind of, you know, where you're at now. So let's just, let's just start where. Yeah, let's send it. So for those of y'all who don't know, Andrew and I met through an organization called the Honor Foundation that special operators and other military members go through as they get to get ready to leave the military and pursue civilian life. Um, so I got to meet him in a really cool place in my life because I'd kind of was starting to define myself and who I wanted to be, but we need to rewind a long ways back uh, as Andrew was talking and I was in the Navy for 11 and a half years and was recently retired at the end of medically retired at the end of October of 2022. So I joined the Navy in May of 2011 and had a contract to not become a Navy SEAL, but to go into Navy SEAL training, assuming you make it through, then you will go on to the SEAL team. So I went in with the plan in mind if I'm going here to be a Navy SEAL, went off to BUDS, basic underwater demolition SEAL school in early 2022. So I, I joined in May of 11 and then between boot camp and butts prep and holidays and things like that, I didn't actually start buzz until January of 2012 and went through that whole shebang. And for those of y'all who don't know, buds is known for having a ridiculous attrition rate, meaning a lot of people will not make it through. And on average, 80% of the people who show up to buds will not make it through. It's a uh, it's a complete volunteer program. So you can quit at any moment, no matter how it feels, what's going on. If you've got a log over your head, you can quit right there. If you're laying in bed, you can quit right there too. And they (laughs) both happen. Um, And I think my class started with 270 guys when we did buds orientation or NDOC, whatever you want to call it. And after three weeks, we were down to 180. And then first phase officially started three weeks into that, we went from 180 to 80. And then that fourth week is hell week where you're up for five and a half days with no sleep. You're running the entire time. You're hyperthermic, you're hypothermic. Uh, dude, I was coughing up blood by the end of it from swimmer induced pulmonary edema site. You, you, you get so cold for so long and so often, and you're, you're so exerted and you're not sleeping at all. Eventually fluid starts to get pushed down to your lungs and you start to cough that up. And if you don't get better, which you don't, you began to cough up blood and um, it was weird, man. I was coughing up blood Thursday and we weren't going to get done till Friday. So I was hypoxic and hypothermic. And I remember my, my periphery vision would get blurry because I was so, so deep in hypoxia and then hell week ended. And that brings us to the end of that fourth week where we had started with 80. And at that point we were down to 40. And then I think even of those 40, maybe 20 guys graduated with that class. You know, it's just most people don't make it through. Yeah, 100%, John. And then, hey, thinking about that, man, before you kind of got into that space when you're deciding, you know, what your path was going to be and, you know, pursuing uh, the life of a team guy, um, you knew the attrition rate prior Mm -hmm. to joining. You knew 
hey, this isn't going to be a free pass. There's going to be <laughs> obstacles. Yeah. I'm sure people came out of the woodwork too, either to support or to, to give advice, no matter where that pulled you. Um, if you could, did that like, like, did that add fuel to the fire? Like, hey, like, I know it's hard. That's why I'm doing this. Or, and then as people keep getting knocked down, like chop, 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 yeah. you're still there. Does that yep. just like boost, like boost yourself? Or you're still like back of your head, like, here it is, man. Or yeah, like, no. Well, so there, there's a lot there. Um, I need to rewind even farther. So I was quote in college, which I wasn't really there, man. Like I did, you couldn't pay me to go to class. <laughs> and I was basically like two inches from failing out. My mom, I'm home. I'm back in Thomasville, my hometown one day. My mom's just getting into me. She's like, da, 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 you, you, I'm going to pull you out of college and just lose her mind as she should have. Cause I was not doing what I was supposed to do. And I'm just super calm through the whole thing. Cause I already knew I wanted to go be a Navy SEAL and she didn't know yet. And she's just exploding. And I said, Hey mom, just chill. I'm going to drop out of school to be a Navy SEAL anyway. <laughs> yeah. mom, mom did not chill. I, I lo- that was, that's what I needed to hear, honey. Thanks for reassuring me. <laughs> She's like, you stupid idiot. You can't even go to class. How are you going to do that? I'm like, Hey, I just want to do it. But once she realized how serious, she was super supportive. And, um, even my roommates and friends and stuff, they were super supportive too, man. They thought it was really cool. You could tell there was hesitation there. Cause like, quite frankly, I had done nothing track record wise to go yep john's going to be a navy seal my track record indicated yeah he's going to do this in about two or three weeks and he's going to quit right yeah but i'd also never wanted anything in life the way i wanted to be a navy seal and that was kind of the ultimate variable that had never been there before and as far as guys quitting and things like that it's weird because i remember just out of nowhere the class would be smaller but i don't remember uh like someone specifically quitting like i remember hearing the bell but I don't remember watching it happen. And um, the very first Monday of first phase, we called it Black Monday. We, dude, it was, I don't even remember how the day kicked off. And it was, I was there in the winter time during an El Nino year. So the weather was just ridiculous. And we go, we did the 50 meter underwater swim that day, which sucks because you swim 50 meters underwater, which is terrible. And then when you get done, you basically just get beat on the pool deck for another three hours. And then lunch finally rolled around and we went to lunch with like 150 dudes <laughs> and then we got done eating. There was like 120 guys that like, where'd all these people go? You know, but that's just the name of the game. And it, 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 it just doesn't matter if you truly want to be a Navy SEAL, you'll just figure out a way to get through, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, with, with the training and the, and how it's designed, it's not supposed to be something that's easy. It's going to push some, somebody physically and mentally, no matter who you are, where you come from, because people come from all different, oh, all different backgrounds. You yeah. got like, you got like gamers coming in there. Yeah. You got, you got professional athletes, not professional athletes, but collegiate athletes mm-hmm. who are very, Olympic athletes. yeah, it's, it's a wide array of people and they all come together to, to try to go after something. And then the test comes mentally. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who really wants it? Yeah. And I, I do when I, now that you say that I reflect on my class, we had, a former army ranger, a dude who was a major league gamer. So professional video game player. Um, there you go. Someone with their you. GED who had never gone to college and a guy who was a silver star recipient in the air force. Like every, like is just the mix of mixed bags and it, it'll test you in ways you just can't fathom. Uh, you see the standard to get to buds in terms of how many push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups and how fast you can run. And you, you obviously have to meet it, but I have not found any indicator by hitting certain scores means anything really because you're doing those things in a very tame controlled vacuum in life you're going home you're with your friends when you get into buds man it is all different every everything just feels different looks different hurts different and i remember in hell week um so i alluded to it earlier but five five and a half days is how long hell week lasts without sleep it's not hyperbole you you don't sleep you don't even go inside other than to eat your meals but monday night rolled around and we had been going since Sunday morning and it's Monday night now. So I'm at the 36 hour mark without sleep. And that dinner time was like the first time we'd actually, I don't want to say stopped, but had stopped. Uh, Every meal prior to that had been an MRE outside sitting down against your boat. Whereas this was dinner at the chow hall. You, you kind of get left alone. Like you're not getting messed with while you're eating. Cause you get, you do have to get calories, but I remember getting my food, going to my table with my boat crew, sitting next to my best friend, like as close as you and I are right now. And just out of nowhere, that weirdness crept in of, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. Huh? I might quit tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's not because it's too hard. I just, I don't feel like doing this. And it, it, no joke, dude, it felt like all the color 
and life had been sucked out of my personality and it's designed to do that. And I've looked into this later now that I've gotten through it. And if you are 36 hours without sleep, you are considered clinically insane. So it's exactly what the training is designed to do. And I've even talked to instructors about it once I got through training too. And they said every Monday night of hell week uh, at dinner, they see a ridiculous amount of guys quit because it's the first time where you actually stop and get to notice what you've just done, how bad it sucks. Oh, and by the way, it's only Monday. We're going to Friday afternoon. And it became, it becomes this mountain that people can't overcome. And so I remember sitting there talking to myself of like, yeah, this isn't too hard. I just don't feel like doing it. Like, again, it was like a depression type feeling. And then out of nowhere, this other voice is like, Hey dude, calm down. Let's not quit it at dinner time. Like if you're going to quit, at least be doing something hard, you know, like that would be pretty embarrassing to quit at dinner. So John, with that, man, do you think, you know, with um, kind of letting those demons come out to speak to you, do you think it was because you actually had time to, you weren't, you weren't being proactive at something, you weren't distracting yourself from yourself. 100%. So then you, yeah. your mind starts to creep in mm-hmm. and you have time to actually think. Yeah, you have time to sit there and think and eat, but mainly think, you know, and what is it? Idle time is the devil's hands. Exactly. Dude, if you are not busy, <laughs> something bad's going to happen. And that's it. actually what you just said is exactly what instructors have told me when they see people quit at, at a mealtime. Cause you're not doing anything hard. Like you're just sitting there eating and you finally have time to think like, man, this has been a while, 36 hours. Holy crap. I still have to get through four more days of this. I'm out. Yeah. So nice, man. Yeah. That's talk about mental fortitude and, and what it's designed to do. And like you said, you can be your own best advocate or your own worst nightmare. You know, same goes throughout life. Mm-hmm. No matter what situation you're in, it's your perspective and how you perceive things and what you put in your head. That's yeah. how you're going to get through it. Yeah. And that, that night in itself was super valuable uh, because what I felt that night would not be the only time in my career I would feel that. Um, a lot of people think when I get through buds and get to the team, life's going to be easy. And it, that there's a reason buds is really hard, man. It's because life at the team is really hard. And so fast forward to the years of being at SEAL Team 4, especially working with boat guys, because everything's miserable when I'm (laughs) on the boat and getting slammed and cold and wet. But um, did you ever go to Cherry Point? Uh, Yes. Yep. So, yeah. Sadly. (laughs) Yeah, right. So (laughs) we were down at Cherry Point in February doing over the beach stuff, but actually like getting off the boats and swimming in to do real world stuff. But I mean, it was ridiculously cold, training all night. And what... I'm sure you felt this too, but when you do day training and then night training, but that weird gap where you sit there and wait for night to fall, you just this weird darkness creeps in. It's exactly what I felt that night at hell week, but I would go on to feel it later in my career. And what I had to learn to tell myself was like, Hey man, when you're feeling this, it's because you're doing something worthwhile. That, That fear you're feeling right now, that's just you pushing the envelope. It's you pushing the high water mark. It's you doing something very important and very hard. And one, be thankful you get that opportunity. And then two, understand on the backside of this fear is accomplishment and achievement and a whole new lens to look through of doing something you didn't think you could or wanted to do. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think we can kind of take that two ways. The first part I'm going to kind of bring back and dwell on, um, is I saw Morgan Luttrell recently down in DC purely by chance. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to somebody who was thinking about, um, joining the Navy. Right. And a, a comment was made as far as, you know, I'm thinking about maybe spec ops, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. what's your opinion on that? And he said something, I'm not going to take credit, right? It's him. Right. So he said something kind of stuck with me and he goes, if the hair doesn't stand up on the back of your neck, just thinking about it to where it's all you want to do, you shouldn't be asking me. You should be at you to yourself. You should know you want to do it. I was like, yeah, that's very true. And then he stopped right there. And then this ties back to what you just said is he goes, you know, everything on TV is sexy. The mm-hmm. movies are sexy. You're getting it. You're, you're in the romances of war with your buddies, proving yourself in battle. It's there. Right. But that they don't show you, guess what? You're doing long, cold hours. You're training constantly. People think you're home when you're not on a deployment cycle. You're not, you're gone constantly. When you are home, what are the hours? You're home from like 2 a.m. to to 7 a.m. before you're back out the door again. And then are you there mentally too? Because you're you're somewhere else, right? Right. So I think he's like, hey, it's not sexy. You got to realize it's it's work and it's, there's more to it. Very hard. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason buds in the SWIC pipeline and Ranger school and Q course, they're, they're hard for a reason. 
and they're not hard because it gets easy wherever you're going. It's hard because it gets hard when you get there. And um, I actually was speaking to a group of kids not long ago, and one kid has an interest in joining the military and said, yeah, I want to be a Navy SEAL. Um, if you couldn't be in the SEAL teams or be in the Navy, what branch would you go into for like quality of life and stuff? And so I just kind of answered his question with a question like, so you want to be a Navy SEAL? He's like, yeah. I'm like, so why are you worried about any other branch? Yeah. Don't give yourself an excuse, dude, because <laughs> there's going to come a surf torture at three o'clock in the morning where you're going to say, you know what? They don't do this in the Air Force. All respect to the Air Force, by the way, but they don't do this in this other place. I'm just going to go there. Burn the boats, dude. Go full tilt. Yeah. No, I love that. You got to be all in, especially for something that's going to test you. Mm-hmm. You just got to be ready for it. Um, then that second piece I know um, I kind of want to dwell back on too is, um, you know, we just talked about how it's not sexy. It's always being turned on. But at the same point, after you do something, you know, is, Hey, this is tough. This is hard. I never mm-hmm. thought I would be jumping out of airplane. Yeah. never thought I'd be swimming, swimming, going OTBs. You know what yeah. I mean? I never thought I'd be doing all this crazy stuff. Then now when you look back at all the times and, and years and, you know, spending countless hours doing crazy stuff, you got to experience something that most people just read about, mm-hmm. you know, dream about and yeah. never experience. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that because there's still days and granted, I've been out of the Navy for like four months, so it hasn't been long <laughs> at all. But I look back, I'm like, wow, I got to do that, huh? I mean, I'll, I have a work gallery in my phone for old work pictures and I have a picture with me and vice president Mike Pence because we were doing security for him and I'm giving him a SEAL team four coin. And I look at that, I'm like, wow, you, you really got to do that, man. Or free falling into some crazy ocean or just something ridiculous. I look back on it and it's so crazy, man, because you don't realize how hard and how valuable it is while you're there. I haven't met a single dude who's been able to realize these are my glory days right now. And we can, we can unpack that a little more because I don't want to kill hope for people getting out of the military, but it's a (laughs) super big deal to be in special operations. And, um, I, I didn't realize this while I was in, but every day I was fortunate enough to show up and walk alongside whom I perceive to be the best warriors on the face of the planet. And I got to be with them all day, every day and at night, all night and things like that. But I never once considered myself one of the most elite warriors on the planet. And I don't think any team guy would ever say that about themselves. I think they would say all of my buddies are, but I'm not sure I, I fall into that category, even though through common logic you do, but yeah, there's just days I'm like, man, you, you really were fortunate, man, to be able to do that. Yeah, no, that definitely lives up to the mantra is, you know, the deed is all, not the glory, you know, right. staying humble. Um, and I know that correlates and speaks to your reputation too, which matters so much, especially in, in the team space, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you work with such a tight, tight group of guys and you hear stories. Everyone's like, oh, it's kind of like a high school. Yeah, it's like a high school, I guess, because you spend constant time together. You know each other more than anyone. You spend more time with them and your family. And then, you know, here comes, here comes a new guy, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what he's got stamped on? He's got his reputation. Like, <laughs> right. oh, this guy, he's maybe questionable in some areas, right? Or mm-hmm. I don't know. So I think you kind of hold on to that too when you're doing things is you don't want to be that that guy who's not really counted on right. or respected. Yeah. And so that kind of drives you to do more and like to stay locked in, I think, longer. And like, I don't know, maybe after a while, you don't realize how deep you are. Yeah. Until you're out of that space. 100%, man. You don't even see yeah. it because you're so down and For in. sure. And to like speak to that, especially on the new guy side, I was actually thinking of this today. I remember being on my first deployment. We were at the very end. So I'm a new guy at that point, but I'm about to not be a new guy anymore once we get back. And we got our list sent to us of the new guys who were going to be in our platoon. First thing we did, called over to Buds, called over to SQT and start <laughs> getting the reputation of these four guys. Yeah. Right? Like it just doesn't stop, man then you don't realize how hard you have gone until you finally pull out and don't live that life anymore. And I'm I'm sure this is something you want to get into, but the, I didn't realize how hard I was going until things like losing consciousness on a regular basis started to happen. And sometimes you need these indicators (laughs) like, Hey bro, you need to rest a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, it's funny too, is you think about everyone has this perception of what an operator looks like. Yeah. And you could get guys like you, you know, pretty big, they're stout. And then you get like, like some guy who's like, oh, is this guy like 5'8"? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, no, is he like, 
but they can they can still get it done. They can move what oh, they need yeah. to, which no, is crazy. Guys over six feet in special operations are anomalies, man. Like most are not, and it's even buds itself is not a big man's game. You know, it helps to be shorter or whatever. And I guess thinking about it tactically, like let's say you and I go attack a house and you were to get shot. Well, I would rather you not weigh 250 pounds and I have to drag <laughs> you out of the house. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you see all these shows, like, in, I don't know, there's one with John Krasinski or whatever, and he's supposed to be some CIA operative. Oh, yeah. They have him in, like, some austere environment. I'm like, this guy's, like, almost, he's probably, like, 6'3". Yeah, I would see this sticking guy stick out, like out a, of thumb. I'd see yeah. him anywhere. But, you know, and that goes to, like, no matter where we travel to, like, people always ask me, like, do you guys, like, blend into your environment? Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm American. It's pretty yeah, obvious. I, there ain't much blending I can do in Somalia. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. We work out. We're fit. Yep. We're pretty loud. Uh, yes. <laughs> and we all travel in bunches of like 15 dudes. And we have the same shoes and the same watches. And every other dude has a sleeve tattoo. There so, you go. Yeah, no, no blending really going on there. Yeah, now let's, here's something to think about too. So we're talking about how important reputation is, right, on, on the soft side of the house. Let's just switch gears. Do you think people care about their reputation as much in the civilian sector? Does that vary? <sighs> mm, I don't know. I don't, not to the level they do at a soft unit because that's all, like at a soft unit, that's all you have is your reputation. I think, and I'm not trying to speak illy of civilians or anything like that. You and I have been lucky enough to see through a lens most people don't get to see through. And the standard is the standard until someone comes along and breaks it and resets it. You and I were fortunate enough to live in a place where that standard got broken every day. And now you realize the standard keeps climbing. Whereas outside of soft units, I don't know if that happens on a regular basis. So I think, I think people want people to like them, like in the civilian space and sector. I think they want to be liked and depended on. But at the end of the day, the necessity of your, your life and your buddy's life being protected because of how you perform is not there. So I don't know if they can if unless you've been in a soft or military unit, if you can truly understand what it means to drive your, your uh, reputation as high as you can, you know? Yeah, no, there's definitely truth to that. And I think, so right now, um, you know, you're, we talked about the experiences, you know, some of the, the challenges you overcame, obviously to make it through and become a team guy, right. And to where you're trident into, you know, puff out your chest a little bit and be a part of such <laughs> yeah. a, an elite group. Right. Um, but with that, we kind of started just shining some light into it as far as starting to lose consciousness. So now you're starting to, you know, you're there, but now things are starting to happen. Right. Maybe, um, you talked about medically getting yeah. out of the military, right. Or forced <clears throat> out, if you will, maybe can you shed a little light into that and, and what that looked like? Yeah. So, I kind of alluded to it when we first started. I was just medic, officially medically retired at the end of October of 2022. So again, I'll rewind and we'll go back to kind of how all that started. Um, in 2017, I came back to SEAL Team 4 for another rotation. was super excited, uh, but now variables in my life were changing. I had gotten married when we got back from the deployment before that. Um, my wife and I wanted kids, so she got pregnant. And then... As yes. we, yeah, as we started the workup to get ready for that deployment again, um, I was going through these weird bouts where I would stand up and get super lightheaded. And I thought nothing of it other than I need to sit down because I'm going to fall, sit there for 10 or 15 seconds and kind of go to this weird space where I, I didn't feel anything. Body went numb and tingly and like my mind wasn't even really there. And I'd come back. I'm like, huh, that's weird again, going back to, you don't realize how deep you are until you get out. <laughs> yeah. That That is not healthy. Someone should have told me that. Right. <laughs> um, and then we ended up going on a skydiving trip out in Arizona and we'd been out there for two weeks, daytime jumps, nighttime jumps, you name it. Um, and we got done jumping at noon that day because we started at like two in the morning to get our nighttime jumps before the dawn and then the daytime jumps. And me and my roommate went back to our room. We're like, Hey, let's go work out, but let's get a nap first. So we blacked the room out so we can sleep. I'd been laying in bed for like an hour or so. And I'm like, oh, I got to use the bathroom. So I stand up to go to the bathroom and I start getting super lightheaded, like to a level I hadn't felt yet. And we had the room blacked out. So I couldn't find anything to grab onto. I couldn't look at something and just figure out where I was in space and kind of like hold steady. And so I'm sitting there in the dark feeling things I'd never felt before. And I ended up collapsing and I'm not 
I knew I was numb at that point, but I wasn't unconscious. And as I collapsed, I fell and hit my head on the bathroom counter and got knocked out cold as well as fractured my skull. Um, my roommate hears it and he's like, that's weird. Cause John's like a polite roommate. Like he, he doesn't slam doors. He's, he's mindful to <laughs> yeah. living with someone. One of the good ones to room yeah. with for yeah, sure. Not trying to brag on myself. Dude, if you have a bad roommate, you'll appreciate a good roommate. Uh, but he looks up and he doesn't see me because I'm down below the bed. So he just thought I left the room. And then I, I eventually come to after 15 or 20 seconds. And the, the first thing I felt as I started to come back was blood running down my neck. I'm like, this isn't good. And so I call out for him. I call his first name. Like, hey, dude, I think I need need your help. And luckily, he's a medic, so perfect timing. He's like, what? Jumps out of bed, grabs me, puts his hand on the wound, and, and drags me into the bathtub and figures out what we're going to do. What we're going to do is go to the local ER and get staples. So we do that, get the staples in my noggin, come back to the hotel, and I have to talk to our like official team medics at that point. And... I did not disclose I'd been getting lightheaded and stuff like that. Like, I didn't want to tell them that. Why would I tell them that? I can't train. I can't do this job if I tell you that. So what's cool is I had this whole story built out of like, yeah, dude, I must have had too much caffeine on empty stomach. And I didn't have to say it because the medic was like, well, you know, man, we're in a different time zone. Your circadian rhythm's off. We're in the desert. You've been getting up at two in the morning. Your body's probably just tired. We're at the end of training. Like, that's exactly it, man. It's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> you wrote it for me. <laughs> yeah, thanks, for really, thanks for this get out jail free car, man. Yeah. And so... That was the week, like that was on Friday and the following week was Thanksgiving. So not much attention got brought to it. Thankfully, you know, timing wise, uh, went on Thanksgiving break, came back, started training again in December and then fast. And I, I still kept dealing with this lightheaded stuff and I'm still not telling anybody at this point. And then in January, we were on a combat dive trip down in the Keys and it, it started to happen again, but this time it's underwater, which is not good. Not where you want to lose consciousness, you know? And, um, <clears throat> we're, we're on, we're doing a ship attack for lack of a better word. And we're underwater. We hit the ship and then we're going to attack the ship to simulate taking a ship back from pirates or something. But while we're underwater, I start feeling tingly and buzzy and lightheaded. I'm like, Oh no. And so what's running through my mind still isn't correlating to the lightheadedness from standing up because the, the dive rigs we use are pure oxygen, not air. And so one of the issues that can happen is you can become hypoxic or hypercapnic. All sorts of weird things can go on. But the, the remedy for that is just go to the surface, take your mouthpiece out and breathe ambient air and get air, not oxygen, back into your lungs and everything will take care of itself. And so as I'm sitting there kind of spinning in my head and feeling tingly and things I'm like, oh man, I'm about to lose consciousness. I need to go to the surface. And it was happening so quickly, I didn't have time to tell my dive buddy I'm going up. So I shoot to the surface. We weren't deep by any means. And I, I get to the surface, take my mouthpiece out, and then black out on top of the water. And I'm neutrally buoyant, so I'm just kind of sitting there floating, unconscious, head back. So luckily, I'm not face down, you know. But my dive buddy looks around, doesn't seize me, looks up, and he's like, oh, John lost his buoyancy control. He thought I'd accidentally floated to the top. So he pulled me back underwater while I was unconscious with no air source in. And then he goes about what he's supposed to do. And then he, he starts to hear this gurgling thrashing sound and looks over, sees me chin to chest, no mouthpiece in, convulsing, shaking. And he just spooked out of his mind. He grabs me, brings me back up to the surface. And what's wild, man, is even though I was unconscious, I remember drowning. Like I remember water going down my throat. I remember my head looking for air. It was thrashing about. So that thrashing you saw, was the subconscious part of my brain looking for air because a, a knocked out body still will put itself in a place to breathe. It's like your natural instinct yeah. to survive. Yeah, kick uh, dude. Yeah. And like, I mean, you can take a gunshot wound victim who can't even say a sentence who's so knocked out, but if you put them in a weird position to not breathe, the body will still move itself to a place where it can breathe. And that's what was going on there. So he brings me to the surface. Eventually I come to, he's staring at me. I'm staring at him. And the instructor staff is on the ship looking down like, Hey, what's up? And for the first time in my life, I answered a question with a purely fear-based answer. And I said, and I'm shaking. And I said, I don't know. I don't think I need to go underwater again. They're like, why? I'm like, I, I think I just blacked out. And they're like, yeah, you don't need to go underwater again. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not so, put you there. Yeah, so they call the safety boat over, throw me in there. I had to go to the decompression chamber, like a five-hour ride in there. So that sucked um, because they were scared if I came up too quick, I could still have bubbles in my system. So they, whatever, that's not important. But that took me to like two or three in the morning. And all I wanted to do was like go to bed. But before I did that, actually, they let me go to bed that night. The next day, the medical staff's like, okay, dude, you've lost consciousness twice in two months. What's going on? I'm like, well, 
here's the truth and laid it all out. And they're like, yeah, you can't operate dude. Like you, we do, we can't even let you go to the gun range right now. Cause what if you lose consciousness with a gun in your hand, Yeah, an A-dub in your hand and shoot everybody around because you've lost consciousness. So they, well, you, I was, I do you was, think right when you heard like, Hey, we can't, you can't operate right now. We're putting a pause. We're, we're going to hold back right now. Do you think a part of you was like, okay, cool. I can get checked and then come right back in. Or a little piece was like, you know, uh, now I'm out being with the boys currently and helping them like a little piece is upset. Right. Because yeah. I'm out of that space. Yeah. Maybe, Hey, I'll just, hopefully it's something light. I'll be right yeah. back in. Uh, it's, it, that's a really good question, man. Cause they, that day kicked off such a journey of self-discovery. I never would have had, had all these things not happened. Uh, like I said, my wife was pregnant. Dude, my, my, my oldest son was so close to being born without me being here. If my buddy hadn't saved me, he would have been born fatherless, you know? So that sucks. That's a reality check. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That'll put you in your place. Yeah. And so my wife's pregnant at that time. And when they tell me I can't operate, I, I, I get it. But the main gear running in my mind was, all right, how do I get back there as fast as I can? Like I do, I didn't want for the initial part. I didn't once think, Hey bro, you are running yourself raw and this is happening for a reason. No, 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 no. Teams full speed ahead. I'm getting back as fast as I can. I don't care what I have to say, what I have to do. I will make this deployment. I'm going to go and whatever. But then, but then when that time rolled around where I wasn't allowed to travel and train, the, the platoon and troop is going off on their training trips. I'm stuck at home, wife's pregnant. And that was the first time in eight years where I realized where I wasn't full tilt with work. And then like you alluded to, I didn't realize how deep I had gotten until, got, until someone pressed pause and made me step back. And I began to think, huh, there's life outside of here. Like you've got a kid on the way. You want another, you're recently married. You almost died multiple times now. Like there were other incidences that we haven't even talked about where I could have just as easily died as being unconscious, unconscious underwater. And I began to realize, okay, there is life outside of the teams and you can probably provide value wherever you go because of the, the life you've gotten to live. And, um, part of that medical workup to get clear, I had to go to cardiology, which was normal. Nothing weird there. Neurology service level, normal, still a story there. But then the medical staff was like, all right, dude, next part of your workup is go see mental health. And I remember thinking, that's eh, just a check in the box. And it would not be a check in the box like that. I would dwell in the mental health department for a full year before I got cleared. Wow. And what we discovered the first time I met with him, all right, John, tell us about how you sleep. I'm like, Oh, I don't sleep. I have nightmares, night tears. I scream. I get up, uh, four or five night tears a night. They're like, okay. John, you sound perfectly normal, buddy. Good luck out there. You're going right back at right, it. Put a dive rig on and go back at it. Um, and so I'll, I'll give you the condensed version. Essentially what was going on with all these lightheaded episodes was a couple things. One, I was running myself raw. I had been living at a red line pace for eight years at that point with no restoration, full obsession, really, really hard stuff, disrupted sleep, almost dying and all these things. And I remember I was at art therapy one day and I, I was talking to my art therapist and I said, yeah, and I, I forgot what I said, but I go, that was before my body betrayed me. Talking about losing consciousness. Yeah. And she goes, John, your body didn't betray you, man. It saved you. Like it was telling you it was time to stop. You weren't listening. So it kept smacking you around trying to get your attention, but you wouldn't stop. Again, you don't realize how deep you are. Um, that's heavy. I it, just got chills. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, just hear that, that's heavy, man. Yeah. And then um as I I, I prioritize the crap out of my family, just like you do. You and I talk about this stuff, right? And I, I think somewhere in the subconscious I began to realize, all right, dude you can't be a hundred percent seal teams and a hundred percent family man. We need to start getting your attention because you may not know it, but we know what's the most important to you. You're lying to yourself right now that it's the seal teams, but it's not, you need to start worrying about this. And so a lot of the theories, the therapist I've worked with is that uh, subconscious was trying to get my attention and let me know, Hey, it's time to leave. Like it's time to leave the teams. That's why we're giving you night terrors. That's why we're giving you anxiety. That's why we're making you pass out. We're giving you everything we can to tell you it's time to go. You're just not listening. So the subconscious just like kept ramping up worse and worse things. <laughs> I stopped. Oh, he's not listening. Let's yeah. try this. We're going plan B now, man. Well, yeah. thank, thank goodness they didn't get to plan D or whatever the well, hell it was. Plan you know? D stands for death. Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. Um, dude, what a crazy thing to think about. And I don't, as far as like, you know, operator syndrome, holistic Oof. load, uh, 
there's so many factors. And I think this is going to sound crazy too. Because uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure you think about random stuff in your car. Oh, yeah. I do all the time, right? And I'm, you know, remember when the NFL was when the NFL players, you know, started t- getting TBIs. Mm-hmm. Then they and suicide was yeah. starting to play a factor in that, which is horrible and it's yeah. sad and does need to be looked at. Right. Um, that was bringing awareness to you know TBIs in the team space a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we need to start paying attention to this. Yeah. This is actually this is this is important. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then. There's, I don't want to say there's been stuff going on for a while, Mm -hmm. but you know, with veteran suicide every day with struggles that people are constantly going through, like, Hey, like let's take time to at least take a breath or a pause and see if we can just check on the guys, make Mm -hmm. sure they're mentally okay. Yeah. Because you know, we don't, we sacrifice so much and we care so much about this country that we're willing to do, put ourselves last a hundred percent every time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was, it's weird to use the word fortunate, but I was fortunate those whole things happened to me happened in 2017, 2018. If, if I had been born earlier and this had happened in 2005, no one would have cared. They wouldn't have had the wherewithal to realize, all right, dude, you're wrecking yourself. We need to send you to some special clinic, get your brain looked at because there was just no awareness there. They would have looked at the two incidences and be like, yep. He just was feeling off because he's in Arizona. And then that was just a pure dive injury, not a injury from something else, you know? Yeah. Honestly, that's wild. <laughs> it's that's wild, wild, that's wild. And there's something, there's something to play there. And, you know, thank goodness things have worked out and you're, you're in a good spot now. Um, hopefully I'm sure you still have demons. You know, you've only been out four months now. So <laughs> yeah. the band-aids, the band-aids <laughs> fresh. I know that. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going on six months. So, you know, for me, just to start, random things will pop up, right? You know, like I miss the guys, mm-hmm. I miss jumping, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's going to go away, to be honest. Like no, completely, I don't think it ever will no. It's, but I, th- I think in the things I've learned through self discovery is learning to look at that through a lens of gratitude, and not loss, and reminding yourself, Hey, Andrew, Hey, John, you were both very fortunate to live this life. Not everyone gets to do it. Not everyone makes it out of that alive, right? Like the, we have dudes die in this community. It's terrible and it sucks that it has to happen. But learning to, to just view it as a place of gratitude and this wonderful thing I got to do and not mourning it as a loss necessarily, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. Kind of to take that perception aspect, you know, to be fortunate, you got a taste, you're mm-hmm. still good, you still get a chance versus... I'm going to play the devil or the the devil on my shoulder card. I need to be back there. I'm missing out. It's tough. Yeah. It's, it's a tough, tough struggle. I started the job. The company's great. Leadership was great. I just jumped the gun on making such a big decision and uh, started the first day. It was cool because it's the first day, you know, and then like on Thursday, the first real day set in where I was in my cubicle for eight hours. <laughs> in front of a computer, yeah. no human-human interaction, didn't move, didn't see the sun, didn't get outside. And I got off work that day thinking, I, I don't think I can do this job. And then I did it again the next day, exact same thing happened. And my body began to feel like it did when I was losing consciousness. It's like, like the same yeah. stimulus, I guess you could say. And I had to stop and go, dude, last time your body was doing this to you, it was telling you to leave. And Right now, there's only one new variable. So I was there for like three weeks and <laughs> submitted it. They were cool with it, but um, well, it, that transition a, is just hard, man. Yeah, it is. It's, it's hard naturally. You just lost all your friends. You're, mm-hmm. you're almost your purpose. I literally went sense. from teaching jump master to sitting in a cubicle. Yeah. Like, it's kind of hard. Yeah. Obviously, I love being home. She loves having me around, but it is weird when you've been at a job that makes you go away so much when you quit going away so much, you know? You um, actually have to deal with who each other are, like almost re- Relearn. Relearn who each other are. 100% relearn, how, man. How they work, and man. I'm a different version of me than who she met back in 2016. That dude had still only done one deployment. You know, a lot of growing was left to do, let alone the exponential growth journey that happened with everything we talked about. And uh, it's, I, a lot of people won't get this. You'll get it, though. And as I've looked at security work or whatever, she's, like, cleared me hot. She's like, you are fine to leave for two or three weeks at a time. Like, it's okay. Yeah, isn't that crazy? You got so used to leaving for whatever six months at a time, seven months, and now you almost feel, I don't know, guilty about like, oh, should I leave for a day, or I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss seeing my kid do something, or yeah, yeah, it's it's weird being home all the time, and there are times where I'm like, man, I, 
I guess nothing's really going to be hurt by me going away for two weeks if I have to go take something, you know? Yeah, and then and now you always have, you always can call, you can always FaceTime now, you don't have to worry about, yep. hey, I'm, I'm busy, I, I'm going to go dark for a little bit. Or, yeah. And now your wife's not as worried, hopefully, right. like, hey, he, he's, he could be in a danger zone, he's, whatever he's doing, it's high risk anyway. So. Yeah, there it is. So you had this path, you had this journey, you finally got out, right? You've got, you got a family mm -hmm. and it's led you to where you're at now, which yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, a very weird and interesting space, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> which leads you here with me. Which yeah, is, I'm, yeah. Andrew, I'm, I'm right here, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to open my eyes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're, you're coaching mm -hmm. essentially people to, to reach their full potential. Yeah, man. So when I was doing the instructor work, I realized I love to teach. And then it dawned on me one day, John, you've loved teaching your whole life. Like I remember being younger, high school, middle school, elementary school, and enjoying helping the kids younger than me, wherever they were. For whatever reason, the, the kids older than my age group were like meaner. And I never liked that. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to act that way when I'm an older kid. And so I would always make it a point to be soft, easy, and help younger kids however I could or anyone younger than me. And then it, it began to come to this realization of, dude, you've been teaching and helping your whole life. You just didn't realize it. And it, I, I remember I used to think, man, before I was a team guy, man, if I could just hang out and learn from an Navy SEAL, how cool would that be? Just to hear how they think, how they operate, how they plan, how they do everything. And it struck me, John, you're that now. I'm sure there's other people who would like to learn that. And as I began to think on it, like every, every bow guy, every team guy, we're fortunate enough to live a really cool life that people can learn from. And then as you heard, my journey was really crazy. And I, I learned a lot in there. So I remember thinking, John, take what you've learned and go help people apply it to their life. No matter where they're at, no matter what they're trying to do, you can bring value to whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. So it, it the like I was telling you earlier, the spectrum is really wide. Um, I've got a client in the NFL and I've worked with a guy who owns a, an accounting firm and another guy who owns a private equity firm. And a lot of feedback I'll get from people who aren't clients is, well, how do you help an NFL athlete and you help an accountant? And my answer is, well, before I'm an Navy SEAL and before he's a Detroit Lion and before he's an accountant, he's a human. And there are things all humans can do that we're rules we are not exempt from, man. If you are trying to grow and reach new heights, there's things all humans can do. Now, I may not know the specific ins and outs of attacking the quarterback. He has a coach for that. I may, I definitely don't know the ins and outs of accounting. But what I can help you do is grow into the best version of yourself and you allow that best version to go compete on Sundays. You allow that best version to run your accounting firm. And it, uh, it, it, it's really a cool process, man, to be able to walk with someone, to be in a coaching session and have a breakthrough moment where they have an aha or they come to the realization of where they're at and where they're trying to go. It's really a, a blessing and it's something I definitely don't take lightly. And on that, this is a completely random thought, but there are plenty of quote coaches out there who I've come across who use like emotional leverage, manipulation, position of power to do what's best for the coach, not, not, what, not what's best for the client. Right. With that too, here's something weird to think about just cause I'm so I'm unfamiliar with the space, but I can totally get behind the fact that you're making people reach higher potentiality. If that's even a word, they reach a higher goal or higher standard than they set for themselves or knew they could achieve and they keep getting better. Whatever passion mm -hmm. they have. Um, do you think, I guess some, another way to look at it, some coaches could maybe hold them back like they, they need to, they need that coach still. So he can yeah. still keep money coming to him mm -hmm. or, Hey, you keep coming to me, man. We'll get there. We'll almost get there versus like, you yeah. got this. You take it, dude. It's yours. Like, Oh, dude, you, yeah, I am you doing the work. I'm working with a guy right now who worked with a coach and I'm, I'm not trying to toot my horn here. I'm trying to unwire all the bad stuff that other coach put in his brain. Um, he came to me and said, with this last coach, man, I felt emotionally abused. I felt manipulated and I felt like everything he had me do was in his best interest, not in mine. I became social media post for him. Me as John Richards, dude, I don't, I can work with a thousand people in a year. And if I don't make a single post about it, that's okay. Yeah. I've helped people. And I even let them know my job is to coach myself out of a job with you because you can get up and running. Now, what I hope is that you find such value in it. You still enjoy the light touches where we meet for an hour once a month or so and just catch up on life. And we just make little tweaks and turns to whatever we need to do, you know? Yeah. You know, that's crazy to think about because every interaction we have with somebody, whether it be at work, um, 
your wife, whatever. It's all relationship based. That's mm-hmm. the human side of it. And I'm sure, I don't know if you've been in, ever been in a situation or nobody's been in a situation, they get in a toxic relationship, mm-hmm. but for some reason they kind of stay in it. I don't know what keeps them there, but it's not healthy and it's not in a good spot. And it's kind of like, you know, you don't realize it until you're out of that space. Just like you don't realize how deep you're in, you know, putting yourself out there and, and sacrificing so much of what you are, you know, for the teens, you didn't see it till you got out. So that's crazy, man. To think that all that intertwines and it's relatable. It's that connector piece. Yeah. I mean, every, everything's relational, right? Like money's transactional, but everything else is relational. And just like you're saying, man, I don't know if you've ever been around, I hate to talk about this, but around a woman who's been abused, she has battered women syndrome. She blames herself for being hit. She goes to bat for the dude who's hitting her. Won't leave it. Won't leave it. And I, you kind of see the same thing. If someone's come coming from a quote, bad coaching space, they, and even with one person, he, he now openly sees, wow, that was wrong, but there's conversations we'll have and he'll go, oh yeah, they told me this, this, and this at this certain place. And he's thinking that's the route to go. And I have to step back and go, Hey man, do you think that really is best? And why do you think that? And it, that's a tactical thing of learning how to answer questions with a question, but it's so just like you're saying is so strange when you're not in the mix, like they are to look at the relationship and go, this is not healthy but they can't realize it until they get out of it, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And this goes back in. I told, I told everyone John was a good dude. That just reaffirms it. Got him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Cool. (laughs) Got him, dude. No, um, dude, that's great. And then, um, yeah, man. So you help people find something new, go after it. And that could be no matter what it is. Um, you know, has anyone ever asked you like, Hey, I want to go to buds. Can you, can you coach me to that? Have you ever thought about, keeping that torch going for somebody else. You know what I mean? Believe it or not. And I'm sure you will believe it because you brought it up on LinkedIn. I've had multiple young people reach out to me messaging saying like, Hey, I want to go to buds. Can you help with that? Of course I can. Like not only did I do it, I kind of just help people do this kind of thing in general. But eventually I, I want to grow the business enough where I can launch like a special operations prep course. Um, but it, it would, it would be quality exercise where you're going to come away bigger, faster, stronger, a better candidate. But most importantly, we're going to dial in the mental, the mental piece of it. And one of the cool things about being a big tattooed team guy is I get to talk about emotions and feelings and no one's going to call me soft. So I teach all my clients how to meditate. Yeah. And like a lot of people who aren't familiar with the meditation space are like, man, this sounds hippie. I'm like, it does sound that way. And it kind of is, but I have the science to back it. And I'm going to teach you how to breathe certain ways to help calm your mind, clear your mind, physically relax your body, get better sleep, communicate better, and just see things clearer. So when you do come to that Monday night of hell week, you do have a foundation to stand on and talk yourself through the situation, you know? Yeah. Dude, what a, and talk about a rewarding experience to have somebody, whatever you coach them through or help them through to hit that. I mean, that's gotta, you gotta sleep you got to, hopefully you got to sleep during those times yeah. at night. You know what yeah. I mean? When you're like, yeah. dude, I helped him get well, to somewhere. I think, um, I think all humans are meant to serve. And in, in fact, I think every living organism is meant to serve. And I tell people this, everything under the sun to include the sun exists for something else other than itself, right? The sun doesn't shine just to shine. It shines to provide light and warmth to the earth. The earth isn't there just to be there. It houses living. It, it, it gives a place for living organisms to be, Rivers don't just flow to flow. You know this. Rivers flow to the ocean. They flow to the ocean, provide water, which provides more life to fish. We as humans are no exception, and I think that gets lost on a lot of people because most people think from the paradigm of I need to exist for myself, but if you can learn to exist for other people, you're going to find a a level of happiness that you couldn't have fathomed otherwise, and I've seen this in me, and I've seen it in other people. In fact, I know one guy that I was working with. He was a CrossFit world champion, and he's older now, so those days are kind of behind him, still an incredible athlete, but he's now coaching another high level CrossFit athlete. And he's told me it would mean more to him if she won the games under his coaching than it meant for him to win the games for himself. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's how I feel, man. Like if, if some kid came to me getting ready to go to buds and allowed me to like put my wing over him, train him up and talk to him through buds and hear all that stuff and to watch him go and get pinned with his trident, that would mean way more than ever meant to me getting my own, you know, a hundred percent. And you'll get to hopefully experience, um, you know, some great wins for your kids too, you know, like talk about being emotionally invested. And then I know, uh, when you give and 
there's a certain dopamine that's released as far as hitting certain points and like making, taking you above, like to the moon, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. you feel that and you want to keep that growing yeah. and then you keep making the world better. Yeah. And you're, you're just as much of a family man as I am. And I've said it to my wife and I've said it to other people and I don't want this to sound weird, but I will consider my boys to be the greatest work I ever gave the planet. Nothing I did in the teams and nothing I did with other clients. So I do value the crap out of both of those. Those little two dudes, they are, they are, they are going to be the legacy. I mean, one of them has my name. They both have my last name. And the best thing I can do for them and the planet is to allow them to be the best versions of themselves, you know? A hundred percent. Hey, man, John, so I know, you know, you're reaching out and people are coming to you. Um, is there a way that, you know, makes things easier? Like, no matter where I'm at, I need to, I need to reach out to you and just, Hey, I got, I got something for you. I want to hit you up about it. Yeah. The best way to get a hold of me is on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is high ground life. That's the name of the coaching practice. And the story behind that is in tactics, you always want to own the high ground. Once you take the high ground, the high terrain, you can dominate what's around you, make your enemy fight uphill to get to you. So in my mind, I'm like, cool, we're going to coach people to take the high ground in their own life. So if you want to find me, come on over to high ground life on Instagram, shoot me a DM. I'm they're active. I answer the DMs and everything like that. Working on a website, but as you know, I'm a bit of a caveman and that's not in my wheelhouse. So I'm going to get someone to do that for me. And you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm not on that as much. Uh, I do love your stuff on LinkedIn, though. That's really cool. <laughs> you got some funny that. stuff on there. Uh, but yeah, those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. And I will gladly engage with anybody who wants to. Awesome, man. I know you're going to pass that that flame and keep that torch burning for other people. So I'm excited to see what you provide others. And you know, the beautiful world around us, man. It's only going to get prettier with people like you in it. (laughs) So so. rock and roll, man. Thanks. I appreciate your time today, John. And uh, we'll see what, uh, what cool things you have coming down the pipe. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Civvies is proudly brought to you by producer and sponsor MetroStar, a global digital services and solutions provider. Life transitions are hard without the pressure of finding a new job. Veterans at MetroStar have built a close-knit group within the organization and are eager to help you on your new path. To explore career opportunities and life at MetroStar, visit metrostar.com slash veterans. We'll link that and other career pages in the show notes. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Civvies, presented by MetroStar. If you want to learn more about Civvies or MetroStar, just want to reach out. Check out the links in the description. I'll catch you all on the next one.